0: Turn, if you would, this morning to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house today. I pray that you would bless now this effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts, and, Lord, that you'd help us to apply it to our lives. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not often that it happens this way, but uh, as the ladies were playing the offertory, I greatly appreciated it because the song, if you don't know, uh, is entitled Through It All. And uh, the words say something to this effect. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. And uh, it's a powerful song. It's a beautiful song, but it's a powerful song uh, when the message of the song is true for the one who is singing it. And then for Michelle to sing about the promises of God and how they are true, I'm thankful for how those two songs tied together and how they work with one another because of how the message is going to play out here in a few moments, and I hope that you'll see the correlation in these next few moments. But uh, this morning we're going to be uh, in verses 81 through 88. And generally, uh, as we've gone through this study, we've not looked at a large portion of Scripture. We've just dealt with maybe one or two at the most But this morning, we're just going to try to get some uh, bits and pieces out of each of these and hopefully make a point that uh, is a help to us and something that we can benefit from. Before we get there, I'd like to share something with you about Susie. And please know that I did not get her permission to say what I'm about to say. And I think I'm safe in what I'm about to say, but I did not get permission to do this. The Susie that you see at church, more times than not, is the same one that I see at the house. Susie is fairly consistent. She is fairly steady in her overall approach and her overall demeanor and her overall spirit. Generally speaking, I could say of Susie that she is kind, that she is sweet, that she is giving, that she is generous, that she is patient. That she is many, many, many things that any person ought to aspire to be. She is not one thing at church and then something else at home. Again, she is consistent and she is steady and she is what you see. That being said, Susie is human. And so for all the times that she is sweet and kind and precious and patient and giving and generous, there are those moments where she's not all those things. She's not sweet. She's not kind. She's not loving. She's not as patient. She's not as generous. She's not everything that she would want you to think that she is by way of her appearance at church. Now, again, that's a very rare scenario. That's a very rare occasion in our home. But there are times that she is not what she is supposed to be. Now someone says, Kyle, you're not too smart. You shouldn't be saying this, especially without her permission. I understand that it would seem like there was a lack of wisdom in saying what I just said. But the follow-up to all that is this, is there is usually a reason why... She is struggling with being sweet or patient or kind or generous or giving. And more times than not, it's because I've brought it out of her. See, having lived with Susie for a little over 20 years now, here's what I know. I get out of the relationship what I put into the relationship. Whenever I am kind, whenever I am trying to be sweet, whenever I am trying to be patient, whenever I am trying to be generous, whenever I am trying to be good, whenever that is what I am trying to put into the relationship, I can't think of any occasions where that's what I've tried to be, and she reciprocated that with a snippy, short, hateful, impatient attitude. Whenever I am kind, whenever I am sweet, whenever I am trying to be generous and giving to her, whenever I am trying to be the husband I am supposed to be, it is amazing what I get from her by way of return. Whenever she is struggling to be kind and sweet and patient, and the other attributes I mentioned a moment ago, more times than not, you can... Get back to the source of the problem, and that would be me. I said something rude. I said something that she didn't appreciate. I was a little demanding or too demanding. I, I, was, I was expecting more of her than what she was capable of doing. It's kind of weird. When I do right by her, she does right by me. And if I don't do right by her... I don't get to enjoy the benefit of what she would otherwise do toward me. And I don't think my marriage is too different than your marriage. I don't think my relationship with her is too different than than any normal person's relationship with another person. Here's what we know and here's what we understand. If we have any sense at all, we get out of it what we put into it. I get out of this what I have put into it. It's really not that amazing to think about because it's kind of like the law of sowing and reaping. If I'm willing to sow this, then this is what I'm going to reap. But if I'm going to sow this, then this is what I'm going to reap. Sowing and reaping. But it does come down to this, does it not? It comes down to a choice. It comes down to a personal choice. What am I going to do today in this relationship? What am I going to do right now in this moment in the relationship? Am am I going to do that which is good and that which is right and that which is positive and that which is helpful? Or am I going to do that which is selfish and am I going to do that which is negative? Am I going to do that which would be hurtful? It is a choice, is it not? How am I going to contribute right now to this particular relationship? As one person described it a while back, I don't even know who it was, but they said something like this. You can't withdraw when you haven't deposited. You can't withdraw if you have not deposited Don't expect to get something out of this that you haven't been willing to put into it. Isn't that so simple? Isn't that so basic? Isn't that so easy to understand? Why would I think for a moment that I could get out of something what I have not been willing to put into it? And yet as simple as that principle is, You know how many people seem to not understand that? I don't know why she's not treating me with respect, some knucklehead husband says. Yeah, I wouldn't have any idea, sir. I mean, you really don't know? Some woman says, some lady, however I'm supposed to say it, some lady says, My husband just doesn't treat me like the queen. It's because you don't act like the queen. We only get what we're willing to give. And if we're not willing to give, we can't expect to get. Someone says, is this a message about marriage? No, it's not a message about marriage at all. It's a message about my relationship with the Lord. And it's a message about your relationship with the Lord. Because here's the reality of it. Whether we like to think about this or not, we we just want to assume that, well, you know, God will always do His part whether or not I do my part. It doesn't work that way. Because of the law of sowing and reaping, when it comes to my relationship or your relationship with the Lord, here's what we've just got to understand, and here's what we just need to, to, to realize, and that is this. I'll only get as much out of my relationship with the Lord as I'm willing to put in to my relationship with the Lord. I can't withdraw something from this relationship that I'm not willing to deposit. I cannot be one thing and expect God to be something else. At some point, I have to be willing to invest in this relationship. In the same way that I want to experience a return, and so many people sit in church and they say things like this: "Well, I don't know why the Lord." Dot dot dot. I don't know why God. Dot dot dot. And that's when you really want to say, "Come on, you don't know why." Come on, are you serious? Let's be honest about this. God hasn't or God isn't or God is because of fill in the blank. Look this morning, if you would, in verse number 84. In verse number 84, if you look toward the end of it, the writer of the psalm asked this question, When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? It's a fairly simple question, is it not? Lord, when are you going to execute judgment? God, when are you going to do something to the people who are persecuting me? What does it mean to be persecuted? It means this, to be harassed, to be chased, to be pursued, or to be hunted. It's with this thought in mind that would lead many of us to say, well, this must have been David who wrote this But we don't know for sure that David wrote this Though it would, again, be befitting of David's life But here is this writer speaking And he is speaking of being persecuted He is speaking of being harassed and chased and pursued and hunted And he says this Lord, how long till you execute some judgment on these fine folks? God, how long till you do something? This obviously was not a good time in the life of the writer. So much so that here's what we understand as we'll begin looking at the text. It it implies that this persecution, this harassment, these difficult days, they've been going on now for quite some time and seemingly there is no end in sight. God, I don't necessarily remember when the enemy began persecuting me, when they began chasing me, when they began harassing me. And God, just as I can't really remember when it began, I'm not seeing any end in sight. See, it's happening so much so that in verse number 81, he made this declaration. He said, My soul fainteth for thy salvation. You know what he's saying in verse number 81? He's saying this God, my inner man, it's to the, to the point of fainting. It is to the point of exhaustion. It is to the point where it seems as though I cannot go any further. In verse number 82, he says this Mine eyes fell for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? In verse 84. As we just read, he says, Lord, when are you going to execute judgment on them? In verse number 86, he says this, They had almost consumed me upon earth. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number 86. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse number 87, they had almost consumed me upon earth. And then verse number 88, he says, quicken me after thy loving kindness." And so what we see is this, is that it's obviously been going on for quite some time. The the difficulty and the persecution has been taking place for quite some time to the point that he is struggling internally and he is asking and he is begging God to do something on his behalf. Now as that is so, look in verse number 86. In verse number 86, here's what the writer says. All thy commandments are faithful. All thy commandments are faithful. By now we should know what commandments are a reference to, should we not? It's a reference to the precepts. It's a reference to the statutes. It's a reference to the principles of the word of God. So in verse number 86, he is simply referencing the word of God as they had it to that point. The word of God as they had it to that day. And here is what he says. He says, Lord, all of thy commandments are faithful. What do you reckon he means whenever he uses the word all? Do you think he means like a lot of them? Do you think he means most of them? Do you think he means the majority of them? Do you think he means the bulk of them? You shouldn't. What you should think is this, whenever he says, all thy commandments are faithful, it means this, God, every one of them are faithful. God, every commandment, every statute, every principle, every precept, every law given, it is faithful. What does it mean for something to be faithful? Well, in this text, it means this, for something to be true. God every commandment you give it's true it's accurate it's right now if something is always true if something is always right if something is always accurate what are you going to begin to think even if you didn't mean to do it. You're going to begin thinking something like this, that something is trustworthy or it is reliable or it is dependable. Does it make sense? I mean, think about it. If if you can go to this source and every time you have gone to this source, you have found it to be true, you have found it to be right, you have found it to be accurate, then what are you going to do? You're going to come to a place in your mind where you say something like this, I can depend on this. This is reliable. It is trustworthy. So here's what the author says. He says, Lord, all of your commandments are faithful. God, every one of your words are true. And as a result of that, the word faithful would then carry this idea of being dependable and trustworthy and reliable. So God, as I have gone through this affliction, God, as I have gone through this persecution, God, as I have gone through this difficult time frame that I really can't remember when it began and I see no end in sight, here is what I've discovered, Lord, that your commandments, they are always faithful God, your word is always true. God, your word is always dependable. God, I can always trust in your word. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that such a realization would have had to have been encouraging to the writer. I mean, can you imagine how discouraging it would have been if he had gone to the word and the word led him astray? Can you imagine how discouraging it would have been if he had gone to the commandments of the Word of God, the precepts, the principles, the statutes, the laws, however you'd like to refer to them as? Can you imagine how disappointing it would have been if you had gone to the Word of God for direction only to find out, well, that didn't help anything? It would have been of great discouragement. So imagine how encouraging it would have had to have been in this time in his life where he's being persecuted to the point that his soul is fainting, to the point that his eyes are failing for the word and he is asking for God to comfort him. Imagine how encouraging it had to be to know that every time he went to the word, the word told him the truth and it was reliable and it was dependable and it was worthy to be trusted. Can't help but imagine that that had to be encouraging. So, what is the writer receiving from the Word of God? He is receiving the encouragement that he needs from the Word of God. He is receiving the strength that he needs from the Word of God. He is finding that the Word of God is true. Every promise of the Word of God is true. This is what he is receiving from God by way of God's Word. How is this happening? Is this man just lucky? Is this man just fortunate? Is this man just just experiencing something that so many are not able to experience? Well, that would not be true at all. So you notice in verse number 81 what he says. He says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but what? But I hope in thy word. God, I've placed my trust and my confidence in your word. Verse number 83, For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. God, in the midst of this persecution, God, in the midst of this difficult time, I'm not going to forget what your word said. Look there in verse number 87. He says, They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. God, I didn't turn and run from your word. And verse number 28, he says, Quicken me after thy loving kindness; so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. I don't get it. Verse number 81, I have placed my hope in the Lord. Verse number 83, Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Verse number 86, or verse number 87, he says, I forsook not thy precepts. And in verse number 88, I keep the testimony of your mouth. What's the writer done? All he's done is be faithful to the word, that's all he's done. And as a result of him being faithful to God's word, you know what God's word has been to him? Faithful. Not overly exciting this morning, I sense. Uh, it's okay. But there's a wonderful truth here God, in the midst of this difficult time, God, in the midst of the persecution, God, in the midst of difficulty, here's what I've discovered of your word. That's true, it's faithful. It's dependable. It's reliable. It's worthy to be trusted. God, that's what I've gotten from you. I wonder how that happened. Well, it wasn't because he forsook the Lord. It wasn't because he had no hope in the commandments. It wasn't because he had forsaken and gone astray and done something else. No, the reason that the word was able to minister to him in the way that it did is because even in the midst of the persecution, he had been faithful to the word. God's word was faithful because man was faithful. God's Word was proven to be right and proven to be accurate and proven to be trustworthy. It was no matter what, but the man, the writer, was able to enjoy the benefit of knowing that only because he chose to be faithful to the Word when it would have been so easy to be unfaithful to the Word and go do his own thing and then blame God's Word for not being true and faithful in his life. See, if the writer had abandoned the Word of God, you know what the, word, what the writer would have said? God's Word isn't true. God's Word isn't faithful. God's Word isn't reliable. God's Word isn't dependable. No. No, it is. But the problem is, is you didn't invest in the Word like you wanted the Word to return to you. The only reason that the writer of the Scripture was able to know the faithfulness of the Word of God was because he had chosen and he had determined. I'm going to be faithful to the word. Place my hope and my trust and my confidence in it. I'm not going to turn from it. I'm not going to stray from it. I'm not going to forsake it. I'm going to keep it. He learned the faithfulness of the word of God because he chose to be faithful to the word of God. Okay? Fine. All right, fine. Think about this for a moment. You know this to be true. Life is difficult sometimes, isn't it? Ah, sure it is. Yes, it's difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's so difficult that uh, our soul begins to faint. We get to the point where, you know, I I mean, Lord, I'm sick of this. I'm guessing you've been there before, right? Kind of like, Lord, I'm fed up with this. I've I've had about all the fun I can stand right now. You know, Lord, if you were just seeking my opinion and and my input on this, I want you to know I'd had enough earlier. So all this extra, that's just stuff you're giving me that I didn't even really need to be happy. You ever been there? Okay, some of us have been there. All right, so, so this happens, and sometimes we feel like we've been in the midst of this battle. We, we wouldn't necessarily call it persecution per se. You might, but, but I wouldn't call it necessarily persecution. But, you know, I mean, I, I've been in these days, I've been in these moments where if you were to say, so when did this start exactly, I'd say, I don't know when it began. But I know it's been going for a long time. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of it. And what's even more discouraging is this, is I don't know when it's going to end. We've been there, right? Now, if we think about this, here's what we discover. In the midst of the difficult, trying times, whether it be persecution or some other form of difficulty... What do they want in their personal relationship with the Lord? They want everything to come to pass like the Word of God seems to indicate it will come to pass in the mind of that individual. God, I want this to be so, and God, I want this to be so, and God, I want this to be so, and God, I want you to do this, 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 and this. Okay. That's what they want, and that's what they long for. And here's what they want to see. They want to see every promise in the Word that relates to them in a positive manner. They want to see every bit of that take place in their life. God, I want you to bless in this. And God, I want you to bless in this. And God, I want you to do something great in this. God, I am wanting to see you do something amazing as your word has declared. You know what's so troubling so many times? is so many people who want to see the truth of God's word come alive in their lives are the very people who do not want to stay faithful to the word of God in the midst of the difficulties of their lives. And then get upset that God's not proving himself in a greater way in the promises that he has given in his word. Understand what I'm saying? It's really not that difficult if we'll just be honest about it. Lord, your word says. Okay, it it does say this. But does it say it'll just do it for any average Joe that just decides they want to claim that promise? No, that's not what the Word says. Well, well, God, your Word says this, and I want it to be true. I'm sure you do want it to be true, but, but, but when was the last time you did your part in the relationship? When were you faithful so that you might know His faithfulness? But I want God to be a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of love and a God of of, of patience and gentleness. I'm sure you do want that kind of a God. You know what kind of a Christian he'd like? (laughs) Do you know what kind of a Christian he'd like? He'd like one who is faithful to his word, one who has placed all their confidence in his word, one who has not forsaken the word, one who is not turning to other things in the midst of the difficulty. You want all this from God? Has it ever occurred to us what he might want from us? It'd be like me saying, I don't know why Susie's not respecting me right now. Did it ever occur to you what you might need to give in order to get? Lord, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. That's, that's fine. I want you to do this and do this and do this. God, that's not what I want. Then this isn't what I'm going to give. Well, that's not the kind of God they tell me about on those TV preachers. It's because those TV preachers are peddling a lie. Amen. But that book I read by Joel said I could just speak it and it'd be mine. Okay, Joel lies about a lot of stuff. But what about all the cronies who want to be like him? They're all a bunch of liars, too. An individual does not get to just enjoy the the faithfulness of the Word of God and seeing it all become true and reliable and dependable. They don't get to experience it if they cannot say of themselves... You know, Lord, I, I've placed my hope and my trust and my confidence in you. And God, you know that I haven't forsaken your word. And God, you know that I haven't turned from your word. God, you know that I'm I'm doing everything I know to do to keep the testimony of your word. God, God, you you know what I'm putting into this. They don't get because they didn't give. I think every one of us over the years of our lives have seen some saints who it just seemed like no matter what they were going through, God was faithful through his word to them. How did that happen? Because even in the midst of their dark and difficult and trying days, you know what they decided by way of a choice? I'm going to stay faithful to him and his word. I don't care if it gets hard. I don't care if it gets difficult. I don't care if the road is unpleasant. I don't care if I walk this road alone. I don't care what it is. I've decided I'm just going to be faithful to his word. And oddly enough, when it was needed, at the right time, at the, at the exact moment it was needed, God showed them in some way My word can be depended upon. My word can be trusted because my word is faithful. My word is true. You know what I've got to decide each and every day? I've got to decide the same thing that you have to decide. What am I going to put into the relationship With my Lord and His Word. Regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's taking place, whether it be a good day or whether it be a rough day, whether it be a good patch or a rough patch, every day I've got to decide what am I going to do in relation to His Word? Is that where I'm going to place my hope? Is that where I'm going to place my trust? Is that where I'm going to place my confidence in or what I place my confidence in? Is that what I'm going to stay loyal to? Is that what I'm going to keep and observe and and make a part of my life? Am I going to do that or am I going to turn, tell, and run? And then wonder why God's word doesn't minister in more ways than it seems to be. I have to choose that for me just like you have to choose that for you. What am I going to put into this? What am I going to deposit into this? Here's what any honest person knows. It's not easy to give. It's not easy to give. And to give and to give. When it seems like the getting is coming slow. Remember what he said in verse number 84? When wilt thou execute judgment on them? God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Well, it's tough, isn't it? God, God, I'm I'm waiting. I want to stay faithful. God, I do. I, I want to place my hope and my trust in you. God, I know that your promises are true. And God, I don't want to forsake your word. And God, I want to keep your law. God, I want to. But God, I just got to be honest and tell you, it's hard right now. It is, it is, it is. But if you want to get, you've got to give. And unless we're willing to give, we cannot expect to get. How many of you this morning, and don't answer this out loud, but but ask yourself this question. How many of you this morning want to receive everything the Word of God says is ours as a Christian? We want to know His faithfulness. We want to know His his provision. We want to know His peace. We want to know all these things that God's Word says is ours as a child of God. Is that what we want? Well, if that's what we want, then just answer this question. What are you giving? Are you giving faithfulness to His Word? Is that what you have placed all of your hope and your trust and your confidence in? Is that what you have just determined? I'm not forsaking the Word of God. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what family says. I don't care what friends say. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not forsaking the Word of God. And, and listen, I'm just going to keep doing what I know is right, whether people understand it or not. Are we giving? Are we giving? Because if we're not giving, we cannot expect to get. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, I don't know the heart of any person in here today. I don't even rightfully, completely know my heart. And so, Lord, it may be that there are some in here this morning who could honestly say they are giving, and as a result, they have gotten so many times, they have received so many times. But, Lord, there may be some in here this morning, I don't begin to know, but they may say something like this. So many times they've said, Lord, you're not doing, Lord, I don't know why, I wish you would just do this, whatever it is. And they want to tell themselves that they're nothing but the faithful Christian. They're the ones who are faithful to your word. And it may be today that they just need to stop or we need to stop and say, hold on. We're not giving quite like we ought in this relationship. We're not contributing quite like we ought in this relationship. That we're expecting far more from you than what we're willing to give to you. God, I pray that you'd help us to just be honest about that today. And again, Lord, that you'd help us to not expect anything from you that we're not willing to give ourselves. So I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.